Hi everyone, I'm Frank Rock and welcome to From the Hack for week 4 of the 2018-2019 curling season. This week our guests include Kerry Anderson and Casey Scheidegger, fresh off leading their respective teams to victories at events in Oakville and Edmonton this past weekend. We also continue our season preview, we'll return our attention to Europe and we'll be joined by Silvana Tiranzoni, Peter DeCruz and Bruce Mout. All that and more this week, but first, Canadian musician and non-curler extraordinaire Jimmy Reed plays us into the podcast. So before we get started, if you've ever wondered how they get those nice graphics into the ice at Grand Slams at the World Championships and at Nationals in Canada and the U.S., well, the answer is provided by Jedi's, whose in-ice graphics from Easy and Textile logos to the world-famous Jedi's Full House product are great ways for clubs to enhance the appearance of their ice and to generate much-needed additional sponsorship revenues. Easy and Textile logos are the industry standard for high-quality logos and they're a snap to install. Meanwhile, Jedi's customizable Full Houses are a relatively new way for clubs to grow sponsorship revenues by offering maximum brand recognition to those sponsors. No one can match Jedi's design services, quick turnaround times, and product quality, which is why Jedi's products are valued by major organizations such as Curling Canada, the World Curling Federation, USA Curling, and Sportsnet, who trust Jedi's to provide the products they require for their high-profile events. Jedi's. They bring ice to life. Arnold Asham's passion for curling, along with his natural propensity to explore new ways to better the game, led him to a whole new world of product design. As a result, all Asham Curling Supplies products are designed with the curler in mind. Asham's patented ultralight RDS technology makes it possible to change and customize their slider with any combination of sliding discs. With equal resistance on all sides, the circular design that guarantees a straight slide. These circles have also been designed larger and with stabilizing bars from the outer unit sole to produce the most stable straight sliding shoe the world has ever seen. Go to www.asham.com for brooms, apparel, and revolutionary designed footwear. And if you're considering buying new curling shoes, you must consider the rotator sole. It's the sole of the future. Our recap of week 4 of the 2018-2019 curling season is brought to you by Curling Zone, your best source for scores from around the curling world. The popular Stu Cells Oakville Classic took place last weekend. In the women's event, Team Anderson threw a shutout against Team Turnzoni of Switzerland, winning the final 6 to nothing. Skip Kerry Anderson joined from the hack to discuss her team's first ever title together. Kerry, I'm not sure it was necessarily fair to your team, but you entered this season with a lot of expectations because you were the quote-unquote skip team, which is the last time I will use that term on this podcast to describe your team. How did it feel for you and the team to get your first event victory this weekend after all of those expectations from the offseason? Um, it definitely feels really good. Um, it's always nice to start off your season on um, a good note. We uh, This was our second spiel together. We played one a couple of weeks back. Um, yeah, it's, uh, we're pretty excited and pretty, uh, pretty happy to uh, get that uh, first win under our belt. In the B qualifier final at the Two Cells event in Oakville on the weekend, your team was behind 6-1 to one when you made a shot in the fourth end against Team Stern of uh, Switzerland that made the rounds on curling Twitter and also got you back into that game and allowed your team to win the B final and qualify for the playoffs. Can you tell us about that shot in the fourth end against Team Stern? Yeah, that was an uh, interesting game. We got down quite early in the game. We gave up a couple three-enders early, and uh, in the fourth, um, the girls... They all made all their shots, um, and then I, uh, my on my first, I was coming to draw, 
and sit top eight, and it slipped behind the tee. And Elena are, made a nice, uh, their skip made a nice freeze. And I felt so bad because my team played so great that whole entire end that I needed to make this one for them. And uh, and I came through with it and made a nice angle redirect onto theirs that was on the button and shot it out for three. And finally, Carrie, two events into your season. How are you and the team gelling both on and off the ice in competition and in practice? Uh, we're gelling really well on and off the ice. Uh, we're uh, getting along great and getting to know each other and uh, the other three girls are so supportive of me and um, I trust all their uh, input that they give me and um, yeah, things just seem to be uh, clicking right from the start. In the men's event at these two cells in Oakville, it was Team Schwaller of Switzerland defeating Wayne Tuck Jr. and his team from Strathroy, Ontario by a score of 8-3 to three in the final. In Edmonton on the weekend, a number of well-regarded women's teams competed in the HDF insurance shootout, including Team Flaxy, Team Rock, and Team Kerry. However, it was Team Scheidegger of Lethbridge starting her season on a good note by winning the title in Edmonton with a 6-4 victory over Team Kovaleva of Russia. Casey Scheidegger joined us to discuss her team's impressive performance in their first event of the season. Casey, you and your team came up big in your first event of the season, winning the HDF insurance shootout in Edmonton in a field that also included teams like Flaxy, Carey, and Rock. How happy were you with the team's performance on the weekend and uh, how you got out of the gate so strongly in the first event of the new season and, of course, the first event of the new Olympic cycle? Yeah, I mean, the first time out for the season is always a bit of a crapshoot, but it's a good confidence booster when you can get a couple wins under your belt, especially against um, other top Canadian teams, so it, it's a good confidence to shoot moving forward. In your semifinal against Team Rock, you stole points in the eighth and in the extra end to steal the win. Were you surprised that your team was able to step up in a tough situation like that so early in the season to come away with a win against a well-regarded young team? Yeah, that's always, um, you know, five rock rule is a different, a different kind of game, a little bit, I mean, so... We definitely were able to use the new five-rep rule to our advantage in that particular circumstance. So, um, And, I mean, we've had a little bit of experience getting to play on the slams with the five-rep rule, so that that definitely helped us, I think, in that case. And it's definitely a position we were – you don't want to be in, but you're, we were a little more comfortable being in that position and, and getting a steal. So, you know, my team was able to have a great setup and – we, we made, you know, 16 great shots and we're able to win the game. Finally, Casey, there were a number of familiar faces in new places at the event in Edmonton this weekend. As you played against skips with revamped lineups, uh, did you have to throw away the playbook, as it were, against certain skips because they had new teams and perhaps had tweaked their approaches to in-game strategy as a result? I don't think so. I think we try really hard to just focus on what we can do. And, I mean, there's so many great curlers in Canada, so we know that... A lot of the teams we play are going to give us a really great game, but, you know, we can only really control what what we do out on the ice. So we just try and focus on that and, and deal with, you know, the shots as they come. And um, I think we have respect for our opponents. And I guess, you know, maybe from a dramatic standpoint, it's definitely interesting to see some of the new, some of the new lineups that are in the women's field especially and, and even the men's. So... You know, I'm interested to see how these teams will do. I think there's a lot of great individual curlers, and I think that some really unreal teams could be formed from that. But I think that it's definitely nice to have that comfort of 
knowing the people you're playing with, we don't kind of have to find the new roles or um, who likes what and how this person plays and um, how they like to warm up and things like that. So we sort of have that all figured out already. So it's just, it's comfortable to be out there and it's just really enjoyable. I, I really enjoy playing with this team and um, they make it a lot of fun, so I can't really ask for anything more. Finally, at a mixed doubles event in Oberstdorf, Germany, it was the Swedish team of Joanna Hedlin and Christian Sordstrom defeating the Czech team of Zuzana Polova and Tomasz Paul by a score of 8-7 to seven in the final. We'll get to part two of our season preview in a moment, but first, a quick word from Hardline Curling. With the curling season about to start at many clubs around the world, if you're looking to buy some new curling equipment, look no further than Hardline Curling. Whether you're just starting out or an elite curler, Hardline is a choice in high-performance and recreational curling equipment. Don't settle for cheap imitations. Hardline has been at the forefront of the most innovative curling equipment ever since they came onto the scene seven years ago. If you haven't yet experienced Hardline's ice pad, the time has definitely come to try out and discover why more and more top pro teams from around the world have switched over to play with Hardline gear. And Hardline is not just curling brooms. They offer a full range of curling equipment to get you playing your best, including shoes, apparel, and the pro slide delivery aid designed by Reed Carruthers. Visit their website at www.hardlinecurling.com and see for yourself why Hardline is the ultimate choice for high-performance curling. From the Hackett Hope to offer a full European season preview this week, but due to circumstances outside of our control, we will split the European preview in two parts, starting this week with Silvana Tiranzoni and Peter de Cruz of Switzerland and Bruce Maud of Scotland. Team Tiranzoni has a different look this season, with Alina Petz and Melanie Barbazat joining the team. Silvana Tiranzoni joined from the Hack to discuss the new lineup and why she's excited even though the lineup change was unexpected. Silvana, you made some pretty significant changes to your lineup following last season, adding Alina Petz and Melanie Barbazat to the team to play with you and Esther. Sometimes making changes to a team provides the players with some new energy and some new excitement. Is that perhaps one of the reasons why you changed the lineup heading into this new Olympic cycle? Well, that might be one of the reasons, but actually I was forced to change the lineup. Um, I kind of expected it from Manuela because her knees were injured and I I expected her to take a break. I was a little bit surprised that Marlene decided to take a break also. So I was forced to replace two players. But um, I'm really happy with um, with Alina and, and um, Melanie filling filling in those those spots. You, Alina and Melanie were all skips for the past few seasons. There's a saying in Canada that sometimes too many chefs in the kitchen is not a good thing. Were you ever concerned that having three experienced skips on the same team might be a risk? Could be, but I'm quite uh, confident that's not going to be the case in, in this team. Um, Melanie also played lead for, for a few years in a very competitive team, so she knows this, this position very well. And um, Alina and me, we had this talk and we were both um, ready to give um, away some responsibility and... Um, I'm 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 very I'm very confident that this is gonna work very well in 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 our team. You will be skipping the team this season, but Alina Petz will be throwing fort stones. What was it about Alina's abilities that made you comfortable in having her throw fort stones while you throw third stones? Um, yes, exactly. That's the plan. Um, when I got the phone call from Alina and she was um, asking me or she was telling me that she would like to play third for, for me. I um I said to her, well, I'd like to 
to play with you, but how about I play third for, for you? And then, but she kind of refused to to skip. I'm not quite sure if it's um, my skipping abilities or it's more the lack of sweeping skills. So um, we'll see. But anyways, she um, she wanted to, or she 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 didn't want to skip. So um, I I am uh, skipping and playing third rocks, and um, I think we got a very very good solution here. And if it's not working, then we can still switch around. But that's how we're going to start the season. And I um, I look forward actually to playing a different position. And um, I have hundred percent confidence in Alina that she's going to play those uh, fourth rock very well. You've been calling your own game for a number of years now, setting up the end so that you can attempt the type of shots you like with skip stones. Now you'll have to call a game to set up the ends for Alina. Is that something that the two of you have discussed during the offseason to make sure that you're calling the game in a way that allows Alina to attempt as many shots that she's comfortable with as possible during a game? Yes, that's exactly the, the, the case, and that's what we have to work um, on um, in the offseason and then also... Um, for the first few events, um, yes. Uh, before I, I, you know, I, I could ask myself if I feel confident, if I have draw weight, and could skip um, accordingly. But now that um, yeah, I have to call the game for Alina, and this is this is this is going to be different. But I, I just tell myself, as long as I'm going to have the forefoot open for her, then she's always going to gonna draw that forefoot and um that's that's my job right i'm gonna make sure that i'm gonna play good enough for her that she has as easy shots as as possible for the start of the new olympic cycle you've brought in peter gallant of canada as your team coach what do you believe peter brings to your team i'm looking forward to work with peter actually um once you have reached a certain level it's not that easy actually to find a coach that still can can help you but I believe uh, Peter has been a big part of Korean success, and um, I also believe that he can help us to improve. Um, he um, has a huge knowledge. He is very good technically, I heard, and um, that's very helpful. Also, uh, I believe his strategies very well. So, I mean, um, it's always good to have someone sitting um, outside and um, and see everything a little bit from a different angle or also from a different perspective. It's usually not as bad as you feel, you know, when, when you're not playing good, and usually it's not as, as great when you're playing good. So it's just uh, good when you have someone outside and, and, and sees everything and, and helps us um, in, in every aspect, actually. Also in the, in the mental part, I, I heard he's, he's very good. And so I'm... Um, Really looking forward to work with Peter. Sylvana, as you and I have discussed in the past, uh, your team has tended to be really good at Grand Slams and at World Curling Tour events, but you've often had some difficulties when you got to the National Championships, the Olympic Trials, or at the World Championships. Last season, you seemed to turn the corner a little bit on that when you went 6-0 at the Olympic Trials to qualify for Pyeongchang. Did that performance in the Olympic Trials in Switzerland give you some additional confidence heading into this season and into this Olympic Trial that you might now be able to step up and play even better in those National championships, thus giving your team a chance to qualify for the Euros and for the World Championships with an eye towards returning to represent Switzerland at the Olympics in 2022 in Beijing. Yeah, I think every every big event um, helps to, to improve um, 
just the experience uh, you gain on, on on those events is like priceless. It's it's hard to it's hard. I mean, Olympic Games. It's you try to to prepare, but it's almost impossible. Actually, it's such a different event from everything else. So it's um, but just to be there is just gonna help uh, for sure. And on every other event that we are going to play, or that we are gonna play in the future. So. Um, yeah, it's 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 even though we didn't do as 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 we hoped for, it's still um it's still gonna help for the confidence, I'm sure. The end of the 2018 Olympic cycle was a terrific one for Team the Cruise of Switzerland. They followed up a bronze medal at the 2017 World Men's Championships with a first Grand Slam title and a bronze medal at the Olympics. Skip Peter the Cruise joined from the hack to discuss his Olympic experience. He will also be a guest on our first ever French episode in a couple of weeks. Peter, I want to start by going back to the end of the 2017 season. How much additional confidence did your team get from winning a medal at the 2017 World Championships heading into the all-important final year of the Olympic cycle? Absolutely. I think that the the medal at the Worlds uh, really gave us a confidence uh, to say that we could beat the, the best teams in the very important moments. And I think that was a really, really important experience for us uh, going into the Olympic season. Moving ahead a little bit, your team won its first Grand Slam event right before leaving for the Olympics in Pyeongchang. Can you speak about that experience of winning your first Grand Slam? It must have given your team that little bit extra confidence heading into the Olympics. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, when we we started playing men's curling in, in 2011-2012, we, we started playing some Grand Slams almost straight away. So we played about, let's say, about 18 Grand Slams. Uh, and before our uh, 13th Grand Slam, we didn't even qualify for the quarterfinals. Um, and we, we never really thought it was possible to go that far in the Grand Slam, um, at least go and win. And uh, I think that we, we really arrived in the week with no expectations whatsoever. Uh, we knew that it was the last big tournament before before Pyeongchang. Uh, and we just wanted to to do well and to to play like we would have done at the Olympics, so really give 100%. And uh, I think that maybe we didn't have so much luck in the past in, in Grand Slams, and maybe this time it was just uh, our time. And I think that uh, as a team, the the result at the Grand Slam is probably our uh, best results uh, curling wise. And finally, Peter, the Olympics did not get off to a spectacular start for you and your team. You started 0-2 in the round robin, but then you won five straight games, including victories over Team Osrud of Norway, Team Kui of Canada, and Team Adin of Sweden. Was there a key moment or turning point for you during that event, or was it simply a case of your team taking a while to adjust to the ice conditions and to the Olympic atmosphere? Okay, so first of all, we lost the first two games on purpose. No, we didn't. Um, it, it was uh, it was a hell of a bumpy ride these Olympics. Um, actually, the first two games against GB and Italy, the the first game we just lost by by one little centimeter, so really by an inch. Maybe if just passes the guard, well, we're good. Uh, and Italy, they they averaged like a 92, 93 percent game, so they played probably as well as anybody on that day. So. Uh, we knew that arriving at the Olympics, every team would be at 100%, would be 100% motivated, so every game would be difficult. Um, but we've been in that situation already, uh, being being owned to beginning of, of the competition. 
so we knew what to do to handle it. It was just a little bit different because of the media attention at the Olympics. I remember after the first day being 0-2 and uh, everybody came to us and, uh, this is a catastrophic uh, disaster start. Uh, what are you going to do? And to be fair, maybe it was uh, it was also good that we, we ended up 0-2 because we only had one thing we only had one thing to do and only one option was to win 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 to give us a chance to to get to the playoffs um and at, at the end i think that we got maybe a little lucky to make the playoffs with uh, with 5 and 4 uh, that wouldn't happen every year um but i think at the end it was deserved and maybe we we got the place that we deserved in the competition at the end our final guest this week is Bruce Mauer of Scotland. The former World Junior Champion and his team are coming off a season where they won their first Grand Slam title and also won a bronze medal at the World Men's Championships in Las Vegas. Mauer joined us to discuss the upcoming season and the fact that his team is looking forward to following up their breakthrough season with a solid start to the new Olympic cycle. Bruce, I want to start by asking you how much of a learning experience last season was for you and your team. Not only did you get to play some of the best teams in the world on a fairly regular basis, but you also learned how to win at big events against those players and teams, which is always important in the evolution of a young team. Yeah, as you said, uh, we started playing the uh, bigger teams a lot more frequently. And um, uh, the season that we had, we started off really well and we uh, really kind of found our stride really quickly so um building upon the two wins that we had in Oakville uh, we had a lot of confidence going forward and um getting to play all the the bigger teams uh in a more regular basis we started to learn um the kind of way that we like to play them and we found that it was working for us so we went home and we started to kind of uh, adapt to what we thought was the best way to beat these teams and then it just everything seemed to really uh, work for us when we went to the slam in uh november and uh, uh i can't even so, remember so where say, it was so uh, say, oh. yeah yeah that's one yeah uh, so yeah everything just went really well there and uh, then we just kind of kept on building from there and then obviously got the bronze medal at the worlds as well which really uh, gave us some encouragement uh obviously so very happy Bruce, it's one thing to reach the upper echelons of the world rankings. However, once you get there, there are greater expectations on you, and you end up with a bigger target on your back. Uh, you'll not be able to surprise teams anymore this season, and the lower-ranked teams will be trying even harder to defeat you. How have you and the team gone about preparing yourselves mentally for what's going to be a change in approach that many teams will have against you? Yeah, I think uh, it was quite exciting to know that um, we're up there now, and we're I think we're starting off fourth in the world, which is really exciting. And as you said, that's just going to give us a bigger target on our backs. But um, we've gone through the kind of junior ranks and we knew that we were one of the best teams in juniors going through there. And uh, we had really good performances. So we're not going to be, it's not going to be a, a totally new experience. Uh, I know there's a big difference from the junior and men's game, but uh, we're going to probably take from our junior experience and try and adapt that into the men's game. Uh, I am excited to see uh, what, challenges come to us in our own like back home where scotland because we've also now got a few really good scottish teams coming through so it'll be good to see the kind of build up from uh what we achieved last year and like teams trying to uh recreate that and hopefully scotland scottish curling can really 
build on the back of that. There's been a bit of a changing of the guard in Scotland on the men's side over the past two seasons with you and uh, your team and Glenn Muirhead's team taking over somewhat from David Murdoch and Tom Brewster. Are you looking forward to the challenge of battling that team over the next few seasons for spots at major events such as the Euros and the Worlds? Now, obviously, there's been some keen competition on the men's side in Scotland for years now, but it's two young teams still very much in their primes battling for those spots at the Euros, the Worlds, and ultimately at the Olympics in Beijing. Yeah, it's a, it's a really good, as I was saying just before, um, it's an exciting kind of time for Scottish curling. And obviously the uh, four years up to the next Olympics is going to be a really tough competition between uh, our team, Glenn's team, and even Ross Patterson's team, who have also formed. So it's really exciting to see where, well, firstly, who's going to do what this season and then uh, see if they can build on that going forward. But yeah, I... Uh, Really excited for uh, our team to start off our season with uh, going to China and going to the Euros, which we're really happy to find out about. Um, and yeah, to start playing Glenn and Ross a lot is going to be uh, interesting. And yeah, we've got a lot of kind of experience built from playing against David and playing against Tom and their kind of rivalry. So. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the rest of the world starts to see a kind of rivalry between uh, the three Scottish teams, Scottish men's teams anyway, that have been formed this year. And finally, Bruce, there's been quite a growth in the number of mixed doubles events on tour this coming season following the success and the popularity of the discipline at the Games in Pyeongchang. You've had plenty of mixed doubles experience representing Scotland at the Worlds four times. Are you still going to try and play some mixed doubles this season, or will that now have to take a back seat due to your increased presence on the men's tour? Uh, no, so I've actually taken a step back from mixed doubles, so this is the first season that I'm not going to be playing mixed doubles at all. Uh, so me and Gina Aitken, my partner I was playing with at the Four Worlds, we uh, decided that we would uh, separate after this year, or after last year. Um, we didn't really have a lot of time to play mixed doubles last year, obviously, because my, my season was, well, it, it got a lot more hectic than we had ever imagined it would. So uh, we only managed to play a few events and Gina was trying to find a partner that she could maybe work with a lot more. So we decided to kind of, uh, well, we have separated. Um, so I'm actually not playing any mixed doubles at all, but I'm really happy to see that the mixed doubles schedules really increased after the uh, mixed doubles at the Olympics. And I'm really excited to see where it goes. Uh, obviously love the sport. So um bit gutted that I'm not going to be playing any at all, but uh, yeah, still going to support Gina and uh, see how she gets on this season. And that does it for a recap of week four of the 2018-2019 curling season. Join us next week as we recap the first ever curling World Cup event in China. I'm Frank Rock, and this is From the Hack.